Hello and welcome to the Wing Women podcast. Chazzy Woo, hi. Hi, Franks. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. I like your cashmere. Is that a cashmere hoodie? It's a cashmere hoodie. I've upgraded my loungewear. Mm, <laughs> lovely. A little oatmeal colour. I'm so bored of wearing grey. I just had to mix it up a bit. Is oatmeal a departure from grey, would we say? <laughs> uh, yes. You work in fashion. You know these things. I know, but via Google Hangout. <laughs> It looks a little bit like grey. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it does. I can see myself. <laughs> Trust me, it's a warm oatmeal colour. I mean, you're quite tonal. Even your face looks a bit grey. <laughs> that is just my pallor at the moment, I'm afraid. Um, for everybody listening, it is Sunday night. It's the 5th of April. Spring has sprung. Charlie, do I see a bottle of wine poking in the corner there? You do. It is a Reserve de Gassac 2018. Oh, God, it's all in French and I just couldn't read it to you i got it in that nice little wine shop on newington green yield n16 before it obviously closed it's a screw top i'm so sorry and i already drank some on the balcony and importantly it's a rosé oh i didn't mention i'm so sorry it's rosé season guys it's a very pale rosé, my first rosé of the year congratulations so tell me about your day It's been glorious. Yesterday, I was a bit hungover and also just having quite a panicky spiral about everything. But today, the sun has just been shining all day. I woke up for a 10 o'clock Zoom yoga class. Very nice. With a friend of a friend who is a trained yoga teacher. So about five of us doing the class, which was lovely for an hour. Then, with the same friends, we all said goodbye, went and had a shower and reconvened at midday for brunch. Oh my God, lovely. I know. So I made pancakes and then went and sat on my balcony and ate the pancakes and then sat out there for five hours, really, in the glorious sunshine. What did you have on your pancakes? Because that's important to know. Honey. Simple. Yeah, quite like a classic pancake. So I had that and two oat coffees. And then I transitioned into rosé, grilled some asparagus, what? Shaved some parmesan on it. And my balcony is very small, so I can't lie all the way out, but it is very sunny. So I sat in a chair and then I concertinaed myself and put my legs on the table for full sun. Great. I think actually when I do have a shower tonight, I might be a little bit rosy myself. Although I have been wearing Factor 50, obviously. Safety first. What have you been up to today? Similar to you, I have been just feeling on top of the world. Maybe the best thing that has happened to me in weeks happened to me around lunchtime. What was it? Well, I've had a real hankering for a Coca-Cola, but... I purposefully don't let myself buy them because I would drink them every day and they're bad for your teeth. I don't need that in my life. But I've been having a real hankering and I was foraging in the fridge and found right at the top, at the very, very back, a bottle, note, not can, a bottle of Coca-Cola. Madness. My excitement levels went through the roof. These are strange times. Whatever gives you a thrill. Frenu, what's the state of your fridge? Because I can see everything in my fridge and the shelves are transparent because that's how fridges work. I mean, is this some kind of walk-in fridge bunker? What's happened? How did you miss the Coca-Cola? The short story is our fridge freezer sits on a plinth to accommodate some electricals. Great. So the top 
shelf of my fridge is like ceiling level. Things go there and never come down. That's just the shelf that time forgot. And it was harbouring a magic Coca-Cola. I am chuffed. It's like the last unicorn, (laughs) but with Coca-Cola. So now I'm just buzzing off caffeine and good vibes. (laughs) Woo-woo! So you're just having water now, just to come down off that... Just to calm myself down. Extreme high of a (laughs) Coca-Cola. So actually, we've both had quite an unproductive Sunday, haven't we? Suffice it to say, I've not done the wardrobe clear-up I was intending to do this weekend. Have you had had a productive weekend? It's been deeply unproductive, but I was reading a really interesting piece on the New York Times just about this. The piece is called Stop Trying to Be Productive, and it's by a writer called Taylor Lorenz. The piece talks about how in this at-home period, we are all putting pressure on ourselves to be super productive and make the most of this quote-unquote downtime. The piece talks about this being quite symptomatic of this always-on culture and that we're so busy, 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 and then all of a sudden it's stopped. So we have this need to really fill our time and make sure we're self-optimising at every single moment. And it points out that actually a millennial mindset is very conducive to this because we are so used to, you know, you go for a walk, you listen to a podcast to better your intelligent levels, you do some exercise and you want to document it and post on social media and, you know, launch a business and a side hustle and rah, 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 rah. You know, and I've seen so much of this on social media as well. And everyone's saying, oh, we're not commuting anymore. Or we, in many cases, aren't working anymore. So let's use this time to write a novel or come up with a business plan or be amazingly creative. Well, even just bake a banana bread and suddenly everyone's baking a banana bread as we talked about last week or whipping up these four course dinners and setting the table with candles and I mean that's brilliant and that can be a great stress release and that can be a way to cheer up your day it does also create this pressure if you're just wanting to have cheese on toast for dinner and then you're seeing everyone else's glorious meals or you're seeing everyone else's banana bread that they've whipped up from scratch it's pressure upon pressure and that piece actually uses the phrase hustle culture yeah which I loved because I do think that really sums up how life feels for me for us now and it's exhausting I mean this is something we talk about because obviously The wing woman is our side hustle Mm. and I beat myself up all the time about not having done X, Y, Z, you know, haven't reworked the website, haven't done enough social media, haven't put into action all these plans that we wanted to put into action. And even it took us four or five years to actually launch the wing woman from the time we bought the domain name because we were busy. We work full time. I mean, I'm in an office normally five days a week and I'm still working five days a week now. I'm very lucky to still be working. But that does mean where is this headspace supposed to come from? And then on top of that, we're now in a pandemic. Nobody knows when this will end. Nobody knows what it's going to do to the economy. Nobody knows if their loved ones are safe. I mean, it's super scary and super stressful. And normally, if you were in a period of really high stress, you would cut yourself some slack Mm. and say you know what, right now, I'm too stressed to take on X, Y, Z. But for some reason, even though we're all in this period of extreme stress, where the news is just unrelenting and it's just bad news, bad news, bad news, we still feel like on top of that, we should then have the headspace to write a masterpiece. I mean, the the amount of times I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, Shakespeare wrote King Lear. 
when he was in quarantine. You know, Titian created loads of his masterpieces during the plague. Shakespeare didn't look after his own children. Exactly. I'm like, were these people juggling work with homeschooling or worrying how they were going to pay the rent or mortgage or constantly cleaning, constantly providing food for family members? phoning family members, worrying that they're okay. This is a completely different situation. So I do think this pressure to suddenly start producing all of these things and find yourself in a very creative headspace is just kind of nuts, really. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel my most creative when I'm A, relaxed and B, happy. This is why people have great ideas on holiday or when they're in the bath. It's not when they are waking up every morning thinking, oh my God, am I ever going to earn money ever again? Am I safe? Are my loved ones safe? What's the state of the world going to be? I do think as well, in, in different times, you didn't have the technology and you didn't have the internet. And it is so amazing that we do. And for me, living alone, honestly, it would be so difficult if I'd spent the last three weeks without being able to speak to you and see your face or see my mum's face, my dad's face, my sister, have a five-hour brunch with close friends and a yoga class. And it is so brilliant to have all this technology, but it does mean it's even harder for us to switch off. So when are you supposed to whip up an oil painting? I ask you. There's actually a good thing on Instagram going around that says, just FYI, you're not working from home. You're trying to work from home in a pandemic. And I'm like, yeah, because I've been beating myself up for weeks since this all started thinking, okay, I need to feel creative. I need to feel motivated. You know, normally I actually don't have commuting time and it's never crossed my mind to then think I'll use those hours when I used to commute to like work. I've been like, brilliant. It means I can go for a run or it means I can like cook dinner and not get it on the table at nine o'clock at night. But suddenly, because this whole movement has come to be like, right, let's go, 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 go. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I've been swept up in that and thought, okay, oh my God, I've got to do something great. I need to have something to show for this situation. And there is that element of like, you want to turn a negative situation or a very challenging situation into something positive. And I'm not going to lie, if I suddenly emerged from self-isolation with a best-selling novel, I'd be really chuffed with myself. I sort of gave myself a little bit of a talking to at the end of this week, just gone, and thought, you know what? If it is that just chopping some vegetables and hoovering my carpet is about all I can do to calm myself down, I'm finding a lot of comfort in the mundanity of life. Does that make sense? The routine. Yeah. Things that things that are just completely normal, like cooking, like cleaning, things you do anyway. That's giving me a lot of comfort. And I'm like, okay, if that's all I can manage, as well as making sure that I'm physically healthy, Ben's physically healthy, we're both mentally healthy, because that is such a huge thing for most of us, is balancing this want to stay physically healthy with also keeping upbeat and a degree of positivity making sure I'm checking with my parents that they're okay, making sure I'm checking in with friends to see if they're okay, trying to keep my mind off to an extent the bigger picture because it is kind of too big to think about. If all I can manage after that is to chop some carrots and put them in a pan and call that dinner, then I think I'm just going to give myself a break and be like, all right, for now, that's that. 
I had so many things on my to-do list yesterday. The only thing I did all day was stave off a meltdown. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. By just watching TV and eating like nine meals and staying on my sofa and just being really kind to myself. Yeah. That was all I was good for yesterday was just Mm. that. And if I had tried to do anything else, I think I would have just gotten really panicked and probably burst into tears and had a wobble. So I just needed to be a bit catatonic for the day. Well, and to not think, oh, I'm just being lazy because I've just felt like I've just been really lazy for the last couple of weeks. I'm just I'm just floating around the house, mm. staring out of a window, eating a yogurt, thinking, what the hell am I going to do? But that's OK, because I think so many people are in this situation. And my heart goes out to all of the people on the front line who don't have the luxury. And it is of retreating into yourself and allowing yourself to have these moments. And I my, my God, I just wish these people weren't in this situation. But for the rest of us, I think that's probably one of the most helpful things that we can do, right? Exactly. Just staying home is the best thing we can do right now. Minimising going out at all. That's really all we're being asked to do. So we just have to do that and stop putting so much pressure on ourselves. But this brings us to... A question that we had uh, via Instagram about online shopping. Because one of my coping mechanisms with staying in the house constantly, but also how I've, how I've managed to stay in the house so much, is just ordering things online. Everyone is trying to order food online. Everyone is supporting these new schemes that are delivering veg boxes of produce that would normally be going to restaurants that are closed. Or little food shops have set up delivery services which is brilliant but obviously it means that people are working and producing those things and packing those things and delivering those things and they're on the road which is already a bit of a moral dilemma and then of course there's fashion so the question was about online fashion shopping should we be doing it because brands like asos who are incredibly popular and just the scale of that operation is so immense that they obviously haven't been able to introduce measures that protect their workers enough And actually, apparently they had a record weekend for sales last weekend. So people are shopping. Mm. Part of that will be the fact that the weather is turning. So people maybe don't have their summer wardrobes. If they're lying in the back garden, they just want clothes to tan in or they want clothes to slob around the house in, you know, a new cashmere hoodie. Yeah. Whatever it is. But then ASOS today sent an email that they're not going to be offering their next day delivery service that they are so well known for. They just can't meet the demand, not without endangering their workers. And that Mm. is a really tricky position to put a brand in because obviously they need to keep going they need to pay their thousands of staff we want to support the economy we want to support the fashion industry which depending on how long this goes on for a lot of brands could fold a lot of brands could find themselves in really tricky positions a lot of people could lose their jobs permanently some Mm. already are friends of ours are already in that position yeah i mean we've seen firsthand the effect of all of this on the fashion industry and those who work in it so where do you draw the line you know what what is it okay to buy because you're supporting a small british brand and you're stopping them from going under but you are the reason that somebody is going into work that somebody's packing that up that somebody's getting in a delivery Mm. van and bringing it to you and do you really need another t-shirt this is such a big question and it's something that I've really felt very conflicted over and I don't think I have the answer but my thoughts are firstly I really haven't felt like shopping over the past couple of weeks I know for so many shopping is a comfort and for me it has totally played that role and it's played a real mood boosting role but I think in the initial 
wave of all of this bad news, my mind's completely been distracted from clothes and coupled with personal financial instability, not knowing what the hell I'm going to be earning, if anything, I've definitely gone into a mode of let's just save everything. And, and maybe people have felt that way too in the beginning. But I think the longer this goes on for, people are going to start perhaps turning to shopping if they haven't been because the situation almost becomes the new normal. So you tend to revert back to behavior that you are used to doing right and also I think what is so enticing at the moment is so many brands have gone into sale I don't know about you but I get emails every day with 25% off 40% off 50% off and as you say the weather is turning and you are thinking well new pair of shorts wouldn't go amiss so there's definitely a temptation there but then as you say when you start thinking about how is this piece going to reach me there needs to be people in the warehouse is packing there needs to be delivery drivers there was a great piece on man repeller that discussed this and in one of the comments there was a lady who works in the US for an online grocery company she was saying you know I work in the food industry so this is essential but every day I'm going to work so so fearful and so then if it's non-essential should we be putting people in in this situation but then the flip side to all of that the fashion business is such a huge employer. In the UK, it employs 555,000 people. So if we stop spending, if clothes do not need to be made, they don't need to be shipped, they don't need to be delivered, then what is going to happen to all of these people? And we've got a lot of friends who've been furloughed in the last week. Mm -hmm. Also friends who have been made redundant. And I think that's the danger, isn't it? If we all just stop shopping completely, so many jobs will be lost. So yeah. many people will find themselves without work. But then who knows how much we're endangering people? Who knows how many more people are catching COVID-19 mm. because they're working in a dispatch centre for a fashion brand? Like you, I just haven't felt like it. No. I just haven't felt any need because I'm not leaving the house and I've got so many clothes, but also because I'm worried about money. And that's not an essential for me right now. That's not something I have the money for right now. But I have been shopping online for things like a yoga mat that I had delivered to my house yesterday and a shelf that I constructed in my in my landing to use as a standing desk. Because for me, I've been thinking, right, okay, if I'm living and working completely in this small one bed flat, how can I make this doable? How can I make this livable? And after two weeks of sitting at my kitchen table, sort of bent over my laptop and my back hurting, I thought, right, okay, I need to order a keyboard, a mouse, a laptop stand, and now a standing desk so that I'm not having back pain. But obviously those are four things that I've then ordered to come to my house. They're not, and they're not essential things that I need. They're not food, are they? But for me, the, the anxiety is how can I make this a livable situation? Right. How can I make this feel okay and nice and normal? So I certainly did do a big sweep of online shopping. But yeah, that does mean that I have bought and bought. And I do feel conflicted about having bought and bought. Well, apparently Amazon, and it's no surprise, but Amazon's going through this major boom phase because everyone's doing exactly what you're doing and buying bits for home and buying bits for the garden i mean even just buying books we all are reading so much more and where are you going to get them from the place that delivers them quickly and always has them so 
It's such a difficult one. There was a good point made by Aurora James, who is the founder of Brother Vellies. It's a US fashion brand. And she made the point that, look, there are so many small brands out there who are in real danger of not being able to pull through this. And a lot of small brands don't have huge logistics teams. They're not asking people to come in and pack boxes. They're not asking people to go and deliver them. It's a lot of people who are selling from their own home and it's them packing everything up and they are relying on the money that comes from the, you know, their businesses. So suddenly if that completely stops, then that's them gone. They don't have the buffer and the resource to be able to pull through this necessarily. So the argument there is to think about where you're spending your money. If it's not a case of not spending any money at all, then maybe it's thinking, can I support smaller brands? I know some small brands are doing buy now and pay now, and then they'll ship later, which I think that seems like a really sensible idea, actually. So you're giving brands money up front to be able to ride the storm. And then whenever the coast is clear, they can kick into action. And buying gift cards for your favourite restaurants as well, I think is a really nice idea because it's something for us to look forward to. It is. And actually, Vanessa Friedman wrote about this point as well. I mean, it's such a hot topic and I think it's something that so many people are wrestling with. But she made the point that by buying something, you're investing in hope and saying that there is going to be life beyond this. And I am going to buy that great dress because all the weddings will be put on again and the parties will happen again. And I think there's something quite almost, there's a salvation in that. And I think that element of hope is something that is quite important, which isn't to say we need to buy lots. I think maybe this is an interesting element that could come out of this. We have known for years now that our consumer habits are too much. We we buy so much. This boom in fast fashion has, has meant that everything is so readily available to us. Our waste is off the scale. And this conversation has been rolling that we do need to change our ways. We do need to reform the systems. You know, the consumer has got to take stock of, of how we're behaving. And maybe this moment where we have a little bit more time to think about things, we're taking a real pause. We're thinking about what is essential. What do we actually need? What do we not need? Maybe this is the moment where that really kicks in and we do become much more mindful. I would like to think that that, that could be the case. This could be a real catalyst for positive change. It could be something really exciting for the fashion industry and for the way that we consume as a whole. I think it is going to definitely change things a lot. I think the online industry is growing so much because of this and we're doing so much more online that I think that could be a shift that kind of stays with us in a lot of different industries that people now that they're learning that they can do XYZ online, they perhaps won't go back in the same way. Even even in the way that we're working now, you know that we're all working from home and for smaller businesses, if they see, oh, actually we can work just as efficiently Maybe we don't need that office space. Maybe we don't need those overheads. It will change so much. So I think it's really nice to focus on what the positive changes could be. Rosé glass, half full, Franks. Rosé glass, half full, exactly. Slight sidebar, what do you think will be the fashion trends when we emerge from all of this? I have a beauty one. Yeah. The mullet. (laughs) Oh, God. Because, stay with me here. We have Tiger King, Joe Exotic, loves a mullet. We have 
people cutting their own hair at home. It's easy to do the front, not easy, but I used to cut my own fringe and you can get the hang of doing the front. But can you do the back? No, you cannot. I feel like people might tidy up the front, but then leave the back long because <laughs> it's impossible to do by yourself, especially if you live alone, as I do. I'm certainly not going to tackle the back of my hair. So mullets. Oh God, that would be a disaster. Trishy, no. <laughs> and also bowl haircuts. A la Princess Diana in the 80s. Because you could, <laughs> if you're really not sure what you're doing, especially for children, I think this might be a thing. People just oh, yes. actually just pop a big mixing bowl on a child's head and then just snip, snip, snip. There's going to be so many under 10s with a bowl haircut. <laughs> oh, poor kids. Um, speaking of Joe Exotic, I thoroughly enjoyed Lisa Armstrong's column in Saturday's Daily Telegraph where she was talking about Tiger King perhaps signalling the death of animal print because it's a neutral it's a classic we love it so much but my god is that tv show a bad advert for a leopard spot well it's always had the danger of straying into pat butcher territory so yeah maybe this is it maybe it's over carol's animal print wearing in tiger king is <laughs> particularly upsetting actually i think at least joe Joe has a kitschness to him that yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I mean, he's obviously going to be a Halloween costume. 100%. I've already seen people dress up as him on Instagram. Well, there's a, there's a filter on Instagram as well that puts no, the, is yeah, there? the facial hair in the cat. I'll find it for you. Oh my God, yes. Right, what other trends do we think will be born? I think the 70s bush is going to be big news because obviously no one can get to their waxing appointments. Yeah, like I ever did that. When was the last time you went to a waxing appointment? <laughs> oh my God, years ago. <laughs> I'm speaking about other people that have better oh, right, okay. body grooming habits than me. People with groomed bushes normally. <laughs> <laughs> they can't get to there. I don't know about you, but I'm probably not going to wear a pair of skimpy bikini bottoms this summer if I'm just chilling at home. Well, and if I do, if a few spider's legs pops out, who cares? So I think we might embrace the fuller muff. Oh, sorry, I've said muff. I like it. I've been ahead of this curve for yes. some time. You are a forerunner. Uh -huh. I'm basically like that smack the pony swimming pool sketch. <laughs> Do you remember? Where there's just a few tufts around the outside. I love a full bush. I love a full bush. But my, yeah, maybe Merkins will make a comeback. Maybe homemade Merkins because people are cutting their own hair. Yes, they can refashion them. Sew that into a small thatch for your bush. Lovely. There we go, that's your business plan. What are we talking about not feeling creative? Look what we've just done. Oh my God. We've just spitballed a new, uh, a new business idea. <gasps> oh my God, snatch thatch. I can't believe I can, I knew there was a word that would go with thatch better. <laughs> oh God. That's Thatch Limited. You work on the logo. I'll work on typography. Boom. Bagsy not modelling for the lookbook. I'm available. I'm available. I'm going to shoot it myself. <laughs> <laughs> At home. But really artistic. No, nothing vulgar. Of course. Maybe you could just buy some papayas and cut them open and then just sort of drape your Snatch Thatch across them. You know, erotic fruit. I am gago to hear your recommendations, dear. Oh, yeah. Hit me up. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not read anything, I'm so sorry. My Kindle is missing. <gasps> oh no, what a time for it to go missing. Well, you know how I started clearing out my wardrobe and then I didn't get around to finishing it? Yeah. He's somewhere in there. He's buried alive, poor lamb. Oh. <laughs> Can't wait to be reunited with him, but that won't be until I finish my wardrobe clear out. So, let's be honest. I've just been watching the telly. I have been watching period dramas. It's a bit of nostalgia. It's reassuring and safe. 
I've been re-watching the Austins, the TV adaptations, you know, that the BBC did in the, I don't know, 80s, 90s. So Sense and Sensibility with Emma Thompson. Is this on iPlayer? This is on Netflix, in fact. Um, Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy. P.S. Obsessed with the rumour that is apparently untrue that Helen Fielding based the Mr. Darcy character in Bridget Jones around Keir Starmer of the Labour Party. What? Yeah, that is a legit rumour. Please Google it and enjoy that wormhole. Also, yesterday I watched Love in a Cold Climate, which is a Mitford. You can always rely on a Mitford. So this is a two-part feature-length adaptation. Again, probably from the 80s or 90s. And again on Netflix. All of these things I'm finding really soothing and wonderful because although... Obviously, they're not really up to modern standards in the whole uh, gender politics arena. There's nothing about, you know, climate change or coronavirus in there. So that is what I'm looking for. And I've also been watching, that's right, just watching things. (laughs) A lot of home tours. What, like Cribs? I mean, I did actually love Cribs and Missy Elliott's has really stuck with me. Oh, that Ferrari bed. Yeah. And the Mariah Carey, the butterfly bathroom. Fantastic. But slightly better ones to be found now. Uh, these are modern ones as well. I think this is A, because obviously I can't leave my house, so touring somewhere is really jolly and makes you feel like you've gone somewhere outside of these four walls. But also B, because I'm looking around my house and thinking, what could I do to it? Probably I won't do anything, especially because I don't own it. So I'm not gonna knock through any walls or like change the kitchen cabinets or whatever. But I just love interior stuff anyway. So I love looking at it. My favorites are New York Magazine's Interior Lives, series this is the best one actually it's it's american obviously because it's new york magazine so amy sedaris her greenwich village apartment is amazing and actually i say that i can't do anything because my flat is rented her flat is rented too and she said that someone gave her the advice you're never going to get the deposit back anyway so just sod it and it's amazing so many colors so much stuff vividly colored kitchen roll kitchen roll yes you can buy colored kitchen roll apparently a friend of hers gets it for her in in England somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure she said it was from London. Anyway, phenomenal. Where are you watching this? Online? On YouTube. The YouTube. The YouTube. So I think I found them on Instagram, but then I transitioned over to YouTube and you can find the whole series. There's also one. I mean, this just shows you the calibre of the homes, by the way, that there's one in Long Island that used to be the artist studio of Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney. Wow. Yaha, yaha. Flawless. Obviously, these are aspirational homes, not the kind of standard that I am recreating in my own humble one bed, but they're just amazing to look at. And if you're nosy like me, a house tour is just the dream. What would you recommend, Francesca Braddon? Okay, so I'm going to start with a read. And actually, I've got three. They're all of a similar ilk. So I kind of feel like this is a little trio that sits quite nicely together. So the first one is Swan Song by Kaylee Greenberg, Jeff Cott. Can I see the cover? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Oh, chic, yeah. I can't believe you're not taking off the buy one, get one half price sticker, though. (laughs) (laughs) Pray tell, what's it about? So it's basically about Truman Capote. Oh. It's his life. So it's it's written sort of like a memoir, but it's not. It's fictionalised, but with a lot of research having gone into it and a lot of things that I'd say probably did happen. But it's brilliant. God, I mean, his story is just from this small town sort of nobody to this society giant and then complete social outcast. It's 
fascinating. And obviously it's a really glamorous era. So it's called the Swan Song because it's named after the swans, which is what he called this group of very glamorous, affluent women. And it just takes you back to this golden age of beautifully dressed men and women and gorgeous restaurants. And it's all set in New York and that sort of just real glamour, which certainly my life is lacking quite a lot of glamour at the moment. So I'm really appreciating this little injection. He's such an interesting character and I knew I knew about him before but this really adds a lot of colour to his story so I would really recommend that one and then to sit alongside I would recommend Tina Brown's The Vanity Fair Diaries. Oh yeah that's a corker. Such a corker. Obviously set later this is sort of 80s and 90s isn't it and it's her story from when she was at Tatler in the UK and then went over to um, be the editor of Vanity Fair in New York again glamour fueled all these famous incredible people pop up she's such a great writer and such a great storyteller and she's got this incredible voice that's a bit deep and it's British accented but there's definitely an inflection of of sort of New Yorker about her when you read it you just hear her voice through it all oh and it's just it's fascinating I mean probably especially fascinating for people who work in the magazine industry and just to see how different it was back then to people I mean it was like us who were sold a dream that is that was a lie <laughs> I just thought it was all champagne party well it was at one point especially in New York I think and this is that time period where it was and there was money and there was these parties and it was champagne lunches and it's just absolutely glorious and I love it. And then the third one to round off this little three-parter is Nicholas Coleridge's The Grossiers. This is his memoir and he worked for Condé Nast for years and years and years. So this is set in Britain. So you kind of get the British fashion scene from sort of the 80s, 90s and the early noughties. And it's, you know, the supermodels pop up and these amazing photographers and all these fabulous fashion editor characters. It's pure escapism days gone by brilliantness to watch i actually haven't watched this yet but i've had numerous people recommend it to me the nest and it's bbc one's new sort of thriller series based in glasgow and it's a couple called dan and emily who are trying to have a baby through surrogacy and they through sort of a strange situation come across this young girl called Kyla and she offers to carry their baby for them but things are not as they seem oh and also from the clips I've seen the house that the couple live in is absolutely amazing it's lockside so it's like this astounding magic location and it's this modernist glass meets wood vibe it's nice to look at a fun house and then my final recommendation is a cook it's a recipe lovely what's cooking good looking braised chickpeas, radicchio, parsley and parmesan. Not for me. You know, I can't have a chickpea intolerant. Oh yeah, this isn't for you. Although I do live alone. So really, who would suffer? Just me. Guff your heart out. So this recipe came with my Flourish veg box. They're great, aren't they? I've had one too. Lots of leafy things. What I love about this is this is a real store cupboard recipe because basically you just get some chickpeas and you add them to some oil and some fried off garlic and shallots. You could probably use some onions if you don't have shallots. 
why not? Chuck a bay leaf in if you've got it. Chuck some fennel seeds in if you've got it. If not, just don't. Put the chickpeas in with some chicken stock or veg stock and braise them for like 10 minutes. You said radicchio. Well, yes, but my veg box didn't have any radicchio. That's controversial, isn't it? So instead, shove any green leafy thing in there. Broccoli, spinach, kale, whatever. Add that in cook it down oh a few chili flakes honestly it is the most delicious thing it doesn't take long it's not many ingredients pop it in your bowl cover it in parmesan and some parsley i think the secret to a veg box is butter yeah i mean the secret to cooking i think is butter if you're not sure what to do with anything put some butter on it in a pan put it in the oven maybe some garlic garlic and butter bit of salt and pepper bob's your uncle fanny's your aunt Well, I won't be cooking that because I don't have any chickpeas and nor do I intend to get any. But thank you for the suggestion. I'm off to finish my rosé. I'll see you next week, Fredona. In the interim, if anyone would like to subscribe and rate us, that would be fan-bloody-tastic. Thank you so much. You can also read us, can't you? Yes, you can sign up to our free weekly newsletter at thewingwoman.co.uk. It comes out every Sunday. God, free. That's reasonable, isn't it? You could also follow us on Instagram at Frankie Gradden. At Charlie Gowans. And collectively at the wingwoman underscore. Do message us because we're really bored. And especially message me because I live alone. And really, I'm just craving human interaction. Slide into those DMs. And we'll be back. I'm not going to say the same time next week because who knows. But we will be back next week with another episode. So thank you so very, very much for listening. And we will see you then. Ta-ra. Bye, everyone.